You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. Hello, welcome to Bow Down to Us, the Lore Edition. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 18th of October. And with me, I've got Vince as uh, Joe is actually taking the night off. So that's why you've got me hosting the show. So how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Doing great. Let's just jump into what I think is actually the biggest freaking drop of the week, which yeah, was this. Let's just cut straight to oh, it. Oh, dude, I'm actually going to play it for the folks in the audience here because, I, I mean, everybody's seen the damn thing, but let's just play it anyways. It is the Cataclysm trailer. And if you haven't seen this, go to the site right now, go to bowdowntos.com, or you can go to wow.bowdowntos.com, and the, the trailer is right there for you to see. Now, we already know that Blizzard makes awesome trailers. It's they, they always have. I mean, you can go back to freaking old Warcraft games. The trailers were awesome. The cinematics were awesome. It's like they're trying to outdo themselves every time. It's like, you know, the crew that's hired to do this one is like, we're going to show these other guys up. And we're going to show them what can be done here. This trailer made my jaw drop. Now, part of the reason why for me, as I'm sure for you too, is that they did such a good job showing the destruction of places that you're so familiar with right now. And because we've spent over five years in this world, most of us, when you're seeing that tidal wave about to hit that freaking gnome in Booty Bay, when you are seeing the bridge in Darkshore getting blown apart, the tidal wave hitting Thousand Needles, all of these spots, because it is something that, like, we recognize those places. We've been there. We've spent countless hours there. It's that much harder hitting. Like, they did such an awesome job, with the exception of the voice acting. Voice acting really wasn't that good in this. There was kind of, Deathwing should sound better than he does in, <laughs> in this trailer. But the, the video itself was just absolutely jaw-dropping, and that's not, it, it, it literally, my jaw did drop a little, especially uh, like we're seeing it right there. That that freaking, oh yeah, when he goes over Darkshore and you go like, oh my God. Uh, I love the part where he comes crashing under the gates of Stormwind. You're like, oh, yeah. that's <laughs> not going to end well. But I mean, just comparing it to the other trailers we've seen, I mean, the trailers for Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King, they didn't really grab my interest. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty, but... It, there wasn't much there. You are not prepared. Oh, fuck you, Illidan. I don't give a crap. But <laughs> because they, they were just random places, you know. Okay, where where the hell was Arthas? You know, some place in freaking Ice Crown. Who cares? But like you said, this these are places we know. These are landmarks that we we've seen for years. Getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It it it's it, it is very striking and it does set the tone for this expansion better than any of the previous trailers have. And one little detail that I love is in the World of Warcraft logo, if you look, the planet in the background is cracked. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think they've been doing that for a while, actually. 
Well, uh, that's with the first the, time I noticed it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, when they announced it, I believe is when they did that. But yeah, yeah. no, it, it is because we have spent so much time in that world. Um, I know that I've been following the Twitters as people have been watching this, and especially those who have been, especially those who've played Night Elves a lot, and who have spent a lot of time in Darkshore really actually were saying they felt sentimental watching Darkshore getting blown apart. And we already know that's going to happen. It's, I'm glad it's... to see that place get wiped <laughs> off the map. Are you kidding me? You know what, those dude? freaking buzz boxes. I hope they're gone forever. Well, they could have just destroyed those, you know, just kind of pass <laughs> win over them as he flies over them and destroy them. But I actually, on almost all of my tunes, always head to Darkshore because I know the quest inside and out. I actually like the zone. It's a little bit darker than I'm used to, but I, I kind of like it. So I actually do a lot of questing there. But it is, and like when you're seeing again, Thousand Needles, getting all that water, I, I'm always in Thousand Needles on all my alts. Mm -hmm. Like it, all of those zones that you know so intricately, so personally, and then that destruction then, I mean, they the concept was solid. They did a, a great job of that. But then the actual putting it in a trailer that is as good as this. I I was saying that I was surprised that they didn't hang on to it until BlizzCon. I mean, we're only looking at a matter of days, but I think that my my guess that it is so that they can sell more virtual tickets is probably correct. Yeah, and it, who was it? Somebody, oh, on our forums, uh, Jason was talking about how now that they've gotten this out of the way, what's their big thing for BlizzCon now? Well, there's still the possibility of them talking about their next, um, the next project. Uh, I'm thinking that we're going to see actually quite a bit more. That's my guess. I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see quite a bit more of D3 now because yeah. that's, they might give little hints of the next campaign for StarCraft 2. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they gave quite a few but i'm thinking that most of the attention will actually probably be with diablo 3 because i mean quite frankly let's be honest here like i mean you, wow is all cataclysm we've already like how much more there's no surprises anymore with cataclysm i mean what it is is what it is so we're not going to see too much of that and then with starcraft and yeah it could be the next campaigns where they they give us some spoilers for that kind of thing and then i've they, it's almost a certainty that they'll they're going to talk about the next project it's they, they pretty much have to and then all that's left is d3 and because d3 is the next big one they're going to be wanting to drum up as much interest as they can so i'm thinking we're going to see a lot of d3 which is fantastic because that's what i want to see that's that's oh, yeah that's my baby that's i god i'm dying to see more about that yeah that and as ian says the, the greatest starcraft 2 tournament of all time <laughs> <laughs> Very true, very true. Okay, let's move away from there and let's talk about... Uh, I know you probably don't want to talk about it because you don't care about it. Oh, before we move on I from have there, a sentence. Wait I, a I sec have prepared a sentence. Wait, wait, uh, hold on a second. Okay. Before we move on from that, though, Joe wanted to talk about the Nomoregan and Zalazane's um, fall events are over. You can't do them anymore. They're gone, which is very sad actually i know that they're prepping for the big change that's coming i wish it kind of would have left it in a little bit longer for those who didn't get a chance to do it because it was so worth doing they i know you didn't do them but i did them both and oh, i wanted to do them i just didn't 
Yeah, they were great. They really, really were great. They were a ton of fun. They were very well done. And it's too bad that they can't find a way to kind of keep it in there somehow yeah. as a you throw, know, throw a bronze dragon in there, you know, time travel. There, yeah. There's gotta be a way they come. Cause that obviously took a lot of time and effort to create. It would suck that. Oh, okay. It was a month and never to be Ooh, seen gone. again. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if it was, it was, if it really wasn't a big deal, then I'd feel differently, but it was fun. It was really well done, but anyways, it is gone. So we're going to move on. So let's talk about another trailer that we saw this week. And that was for, or Fable 3. Now, say what you will about Fable 3 and bitch about it and whatever. The freaking trailer. This is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Dude, it was fantastic. (laughs) It was great. And I'm probably going to get strung up by the audience here, but in some ways, I liked this trailer itself better than the Cataclysm trailer. Like the Cataclysm trailer, don't get me wrong, was awesome. But this just had such such style to it. Like you said, with the music they chose and it just it fit together so well. It's like, wow, if this was anything like the actual game is going to turn out to be, this would be awesome. Yeah. You (laughs) know, what what are the chances? (laughs) It is a cinematic after all. The trailer was awesome, though. And the music was absolutely incredible. The music fitted perfectly and it's not that the ideas behind fable 3 are that complicated or that you know original it's you're overtaking the throne you're going to become the new king but it was so well done and it really does make me want to play the freaking game don't do (laughs) it (laughs) peter wouldn't lie to me though he said it's going to be good he said it's not going to be like fable 2 he wouldn't let me down he wouldn't lie to me but but, but, it, wait, but he thought Fable <laughs> 2 was going to be so great. If this is nothing like Fable 2, then, oh, God, my brain hurts. Oh, I yeah, I want to play it. I do. I It's taking everything I have not to order the collectors for. <laughs> but I haven't. I haven't. And uh, But I do want to play it. It's funny because I was talking to Andy on the forums about this because he actually loved Fable 2 as well. And it was that. Again, I was saying how there's a lot of things with Fable 2 that I did like. In fact, there's a lot of things with Fable 2 that I liked a lot. If Fable 2 could have had a decent epic ending that actually suited the game, I would have forgiven the simple mode combat the and, and everything else that I had a problem with. But it was the ending that ruined it for me. So again, with this, you have no way of knowing whether the ending is going to be a huge letdown until the game's out and it's been released. And the problem with Fable games too is that there are very few people that are middle of the road with Fable. They either absolutely love it and are tired of everybody slamming it, or they absolutely hate it and have no use for Peter. So it's one or the other for most people kind of thing. So I don't know. I It, it is a game that I probably will play. And I am looking forward to some of what he's saying is going to be in it. Unfortunately, I know that a lot of it is big talk and what he said is going to be in is not necessarily always going to be in. So I'm, I'm, let's put it this, I'm, it's like going into a movie with Jim Carrey. I, I'm setting myself up for the worst. It's going to be terrible. And I'm just hoping that he'll, he'll pull out a Truman or something, you know, something that'll be decent. So yeah, but- I know you're not even going to give it a shot at all. I haven't even played Fable 2 much. <laughs> like, I played it for a little bit at a friend's place. I was like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> well, I will be trying it. I don't know when. It probably will not be launch day, but 
uh, I probably will give it a shot. Let's move on to another game, though, that I know I want to play. I want to play so bad. And that is DC Universe Online, because we got some more information in regards to the story details, and in particular, the um, Green Lanterns and why they're not going to be playable. I'm going to let you take this one. All right. So, yeah, we we got uh, a nice interview here with Jim Lee, who is, of course, the co-publisher of DC and executive creative director of DC Universe Online, as well as Chris Cow, the actual game director of DCUO. And they, they, they give a lot of great information uh, about the, the decisions they've made with the game and how they have had such a hard time balancing the gameplay with the established lore. And one of the characters they talked about was the Flash, how the Flash has this huge, immense, you know, power set stemming from his super speed. But of course, you know, they can't have characters that can travel dimensions and vibrate through walls and do all kinds of ridiculous stuff. So they have to keep the playable characters true to the concepts of, you know, the archetypes without exactly going completely insane with them. And it was interesting how they said that with the magic and in the DC universe, magic is absolutely insane. The sheer possibilities of the things you can do with it are ridiculous they said with the magic even with the magic the hardest things they had to balance was the tech and the meta powers going the you know the tried and true face-off of batman versus superman how does a dude with a grappling hook stand up to a guy that can shoot fire out of his hands or throw a building at him so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how these things work out in the game because you know, we you could be a lot more creative with the comic because you don't have to keep people happy with, you know, the way it actually plays out. You, you don't have to be the one performing the actions in the comic, whereas in the game, it has to be fun for all involved. Well, it's it's not just that. It's that, like, from a comic book perspective, when you're looking at the DC universe, it's easy to be able to have a character like Batman stand up to Superman simply because you can have things like, you know, the kryptonite in the belt. You can have things that are that have been established a long time ago, or you can have any number of, you know, off the top of your head, write it. And if it makes sense enough, put it in and there you go. You're, you're, you're good to go. But with a game, you can't have anything that's off the top of your head. There has to be skills and abilities that are built into the archetype of each character so that they can then balance the game. So that's the big problem right there. Right. And continue with the archetypes, we got some more information about the mentors. And as we said, you know, the mentors have their various power sets that are associated with them. But they explained, you know, that your power set isn't really going to determine how you interact with your mentor. It's more about the characters themselves. If you choose Superman as your mentor, that means you are trying to strive to be, you know, the selfless big blue boy scout type character you don't have to have be able to fly and you know punch through buildings and have heat vision to be like superman you just have to want to be like superman and they they carry on with all the various types of, uh, of the mentors but i think that's a very interesting way to design the game where okay you can have whatever powers you want but you can still strive to be the type of character you want to be i thought that was very very interesting to see yeah, no, it's it's again sad. I'm disappointed that it's being backed up. Um, to it's still we're still looking at first quarter next year, right? That's last I've heard. Yes. Yeah. So it's a little disappointing. I'm I'm glad that they're taking the time to make sure that the everything is balanced out, so that they have to know right now. Like I mean, look at how 
Final Fantasy XIV is doing. Look at how badly APB did. And, and yes, they're not the same types of games, but they are MMOs. And then you can look at Ion and everything, and it's still struggling. It's it's something we're in. You have to make sure that if you are putting an MMO, it better well damn be rock solid on launch day or damn near. So as they're trickling more information, though, in terms of how they're trying to balance out the characters and, and everything else, then you know what? I'm, I'm willing to give them a little bit more leeway. It, it still is something that I can't wait to get my hands on, though. Yeah. But when it comes to DC Universe Online, the number one question everybody has been asking is what about the Green Lanterns? And they gave a very simple yet perfectly valid explanation for why players in the game can't be Green Lanterns. And that's, you know, in the lore of the Green Lantern, each space sector has one lantern. Well, for the most part, space sector 2814, which is Earth and the surrounding planets and whatnot, already has four Green Lanterns. The last thing it needs is a million more. <laughs> so it's it's nice that, you know, they haven't sacrificed the lore of the universe for a gameplay aspect. And they go on to say that there's there's going to be more Green Lantern content in the future. But you look at the DC catalog right now, the Green Lantern and the associated titles have essentially become their own franchise within DC, much like how the X-Men is its own segment of Marvel. And for a new player coming into the game that doesn't have this great knowledge of the comic universe, your comic noobs, as I like to call them, they need time to get to know the characters and, and the whole backstory behind the Green Lanterns. You can't just throw this rainbow Power Ranger set of rings at them and have them get into it. If you can establish the characters more and then in the future expand upon the game to open up these possibilities, it's going to be a much better effect overall and they said hey there's a green lantern movie coming out next year we would be stupid not to do something with it and they, they go on to tease you know possible expansions or even um content patches it's talking about how they can add in start adding in outer space there's this huge you know setup in dc of all the various space sectors and all the various lantern cores and all the stuff that they can do to expand the game and it's really kind of exciting to hear them talk about where the game is going in addition to where it already is well see that's the other reason why i really would like to see this one succeed and do well simply because of the established lore that they have right now with that universe that they can do so much i mean when they're talking about the green lantern stuff and i'm not thinking about when they're talking about well look there's a movie coming up we're probably going to do something i'm not thinking that i'm thinking look at everything that's happened right now with the green lantern core and everything that they could do whether it's using stuff directly from the comic books or writing their own stuff with the other Lantern cores. I mean, when you start thinking about it in that way, you can easily have content patches that are just absolutely huge raids of, you know, the Red Lantern core or, or whatever that would be an absolute blast to play through. And that's just looking at one IP. That's not looking at all the others. So it's, it's one of those, my God, if it does well, this can go on for years as long as they, as long as they work hard at it and they have the player base that it's endless possibilities. 
Yeah. And even if theoretically they've exhausted all the fun ideas that are present in the DC universe, they talked about how DC has this whole, you know, cast of multiverses that they've built up over the years. A lot of my favorite DC storylines don't actually take place in the DC universe. They take place in these alternate universes or time travel, traveling back in time to the golden age heroes and, and stuff like that. And, and how they go on to say that Brainiac isn't a threat to just Earth. He's a threat to the entire universe, not just the entire universe, every universe. So there are definite possibilities for any crazy idea they can come up with to actually work and not feel like it's shoehorned into the plot. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move away from that now and touch on GoldenEye. It was, there was a new video that was released for it. I'm actually going to drop the volume here and play for the folks in the audience, um, where they talked about some of the story aspects behind GoldenEye. And it's funny that so much time has passed since the original that a lot of what was within the original GoldenEye is actually still uh, relevant in today's world because of all the problems with the economy and everything. It was a very good uh, dev video in terms of, and actually they spoke to the writers as well, because of, again, what it is that they're doing with trying to stay true to the original GoldenEye and yet put in enough that's original that it works in in the now. I don't know, is this still a game that you're is off your radar or are you actually considering it now? Well, I have to say, uh, given this this video and what they're saying and seeing the, the twist that they're putting onto it, I've gone from completely not caring to now just mostly not caring. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will agree it is a nice twist and a good way to, to update it without just doing a straight port and shoving Blondie in there instead of Pierce Brosnan. But I, I'd still prefer something more original, like we talked about however long ago that was that other bond game we saw i would much rather have that bond game than this bond game see i i still would like to play it it's it's one of those games because of my my association with the original i i i actually do want to play it and i want to see just how different it's going to be and just how much the same it's going to be but when they're talking about some of the things that they're doing like the blowing up all the electronic stuff by blowing a nuke in the air and things like that like there's they're they're doing stuff that is going to be engaging enough for a bond game and because like the the other game that we were bond game that we were talking about i can't even remember the name now somebody in the audience help me out here um but the new one is was written directly for uh, for games but this one here is not like other games goldeneye in that it worked. The original worked and it worked very well. Even though it was an adaptation from a movie, it worked amazingly well. So if they're staying true to that, the same could hold true for this reiteration of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it. it's definitely an interesting concept. I'll, I'll agree to that much. Yeah, that's the most you're going to give me. All right, fine. Because it's still a Wii shooter. Well, there is that. There is that. I will give you, but it might work. It could be Metroid wasn't all bad for shooting stuff. It was. It wasn't all bad. It, it, it kind of worked. Duck hunting. Sure. Okay. Anyways, so you want to talk about Castlevania then? Sure. I would love to talk about. Castlevania. I know you would. So knock yourself out. All right. As everybody knows, huge Castlevania nerd, and I bought Castlevania Lords of Shadow day one. Uh, Thirteen days ago, it came out. 
And I am actually about halfway through the game right now because the game is freaking massive. And I'm not just talking about in terms of play length. Obviously, it's a long game. I've been playing, let's say, six to eight hours a week, and I'm still halfway through the game. So it's fairly expansive, especially for someone like me who likes to backtrack and you know check out alternate paths. There's definitely a lot of game to experience. But it's also a huge game just in its scope. The... the variations of the environments that the game takes you to one minute you'll be going through a forest then you know a caves waterfalls castles churches libraries it's broken up into a mission structure uh there's 12 chapters in the game each chapter has anywhere from two to uh, i think nine is the most missions i've seen so far in any given chapter and it's a very old school way of presenting the game yeah, in a lot of modern games, we're used to just, oh, okay, here you go here to this stage, you go here. It, it, the game flows together. They decided to take Lords of Shadow to a more NES-type uh, game, like we saw with the original Castlevanias up through uh, Rondo of Blood was really the last one that had the mission structure in it. But it's it's cool that they, they've gone back to the roots of the franchise to present the game like this because it allows for this really interesting narrative to play out because before each mission, this diary opens up and you hear Patrick Stewart, of course, narrating exactly what Gabriel is experiencing. And I'm glad they didn't take too much time in the game to actually go through all this Uh Patrick Stewart's character, Zobek, gives an interesting angle to the way Gabriel is experiencing the world. We're playing as Gabriel, but we're really seeing the game through Zobek's eyes. It's very interesting, and so far it's worked out quite well. I really love every single mission. As soon as I finish one, I can't wait to get started on the next, because the story it's telling is just so rich and vibrant and grand. I, I love it. I, I can't wait to see where it's going next because we're along with Gabriel on this huge quest of his to take out the Lords of Shadow, resurrect his fault, his dead wife, save all of humanity, earth and heaven and whatever the hell else they have coming up because each chapter has expand on it so much. Gabriel has had to make some really hard decisions and you know, a lot of sacrifices along his quest. I really don't want to give up too much because some of the plot twists that they throw at you, even in the second and third chapters, it, I got to say, it's kind of mind blowing and it's just building up so much. I'm only halfway through the game and I can't even begin to imagine what more they have in store for me at this point. Uh, the voice acting, I will say it, it's a little uneven. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Patrick Stewart's character looks like Ramirez from uh, Highlander. So I keep expecting him to talk like Sean Connery. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird quirk in my head where things don't quite add up. Uh, Gabriel's accent is is a little iffy at times. Uh, overall, the, the voice acting is OK. Uh, the, the biggest disappointment for me so far has to be the music, though. Castlevania has such iconic music in the entire history of video games and the entire soundtrack for this game is just your generic Lord of the Rings fantasy orchestral score. There's nothing that really stands out and that that really hurts me as a fan of the franchise to see one of its key elements just not present, but it doesn't 
really detract from the game itself. Uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs with reviews, a lot of criticisms out there saying it's really similar to God of War. Uh, those are fair on some points, but I mean, let's face it, it's a 3D action game. It's going to draw parallels to other 3D action games. I'm just really loving it. Uh, it's this great world they have created, completely rebooting a franchise I love in a good manner. I mean, how many reboots have we seen over the last few years that have just fallen flat on their faces? I'm glad that this one has been a success because now it does bode well for the future. I mean, this is still a small studio. This is really their first game, big game they've come out with. So to achieve this level of quality right out of the gate really, really has me excited for the future. The thing that I take away from the comparisons to God of War and whatnot is from a uh, dev blog that I think I actually posted the video on the site as well, where when he's talking about it, he's saying, yeah, but you know what? All of those games were taking stuff from ours, oh, from, yeah, God absolutely. from, uh, from uh, Castlevania beforehand, and they borrowed from that. We're just going back to our roots and improving upon them and things like that. It's not like we're copying the people who copied us initially. So that's something that you have to keep in mind. Like they're, they're allowed to do this kind of stuff and it's not mm -hmm. there. It's an evolution of their own IP, their own styles, their own games. So I, I, I do have to say though, the game really could have done without the quick time events. I mean, that has just become so synonymous with God of war. Putting the quick time events in the game is instant comparison to it. It, it doesn't really add anything to the game that couldn't have been pulled off in a better manner. And just having that one element extracted from Castlevania would have gone a long way to differentiating itself from the the standard for 3D action. Because honestly, the combat, it's nothing like God of War. It's more like Ninja Gaiden than it is God of War, which is saying a lot for the combat in this game. It's so fluid, so fun, and just so many options are available to you at any given time. It, I love playing this game. I still can't wrap my head around the fairies. I'm still the fairies are badass. <laughs> They're still fairies. You throw the fairies out there. They distract your enemies so you can focus on, you know, the bigger baddies. And then they have this whole magic system in the game. You have your light magic and your shadow magic that unlock whole whole arsenal of attacks. And it's pretty cool. If, if you use your light magic and then send a fairy at the enemy, it's a freaking kamikaze fairy and it'll blow up and destroy the enemy. So that's a badass fairy. I don't care what you say. <laughs> it's... I don't care how many times you call it a badass fairy. It's still a fairy. It's It should be something that's in a, a, a Zelda game, not in a Castlevania game. I don't know. When you're fighting the lords of of, of Shadow and, and Dracula and whoever, fighting them with fairies? Well, no, not so manly. When, that, when so much no of amount setting... of manly cool hair will save you. But when so much of the setting of the game is based upon these traditional folklore things that we've seen, vampires, werewolves, uh, we see Pan, uh, just so many things that tie into ancient folklore, the fairies fit the setting. I, I Okay, they might be kind of goofy for combat, but at least they're true to the heart of the game. All right, then. Okay, let's move away from that. Um, have you changed your opinion about Fallout New Vegas? Are you considering picking it up yet or not so much? 
I'm changing my opinion. I haven't changed it yet. So it's still not done because that's actually coming out. It's out on the 19th. And uh, we've gotten some more information in terms of a um, dev blog video about it. And as well as um, some everybody and their dog is putting out blog posts about it and things that you can find. Because, I mean, in traditional Fallout faction, there's going to be things that you can collect and gain rewards from. And in this here, you're going to be able to collect some snow globes and things like that. You're going to be able to get some implants at a medical clinic and uh, so there's a whole bunch of different things that you can do that they're not uh, having yet advertised but it's it I mean I really loved Fallout and but I still this one still isn't like I want to play it but it's it's not at the top of my list put it that way well I have to say uh, going back to the whole collectability aspect of it I, I do like the way they're setting it up uh, with the various objectives because there is there yeah there's all these collectibles in Fallout 3 and the previous Fallout games but they were just kind of there uh, this game at least the way they're presenting it they're, they're giving you a reason to go out and wander the wasteland like you could do it before but there wasn't really a character reason for it so like oh okay i'm just wandering around aimlessly looking for a fucking snow globe but just the way they're presenting it this time around like i said the snow globes uh, having to recruit musicians for the, the the bar exploring the various vaults that are out there like that's that's a lot of stuff that's been in previous fallout games but it hasn't really been tied into it. Like it's just been there. Uh, I at least like how they're adding it into the overall experience instead of just having it be the side quest that doesn't really matter. It's I, I'm going to definitely be waiting for the reviews on this one to see if it is something that is very typical Bethesda games in terms of complete sandbox feel or if it's going to be much more on rails to keep you kind of going towards specific objectives and then going from there that'll really determine just how fast I get this game because as much as I loved Oblivion and Morrowind and Fallout and whatnot right now I'm kind of at a point where I don't want complete open Exactly. Sandbox. Same feel. reason. Same reason I didn't get Red Dead. I, I, I'm kind of over open world games. I and, and I'm not completely. I I still, if the right comes one comes along, then great. But I when you're looking at a game, say like Mass Effect Two, which still had a lot of openness in terms of when you're taking things and whatnot, but it still had a lot of structure. In terms of go here, mm-hmm. this is what you're going to get done, move on, blah, blah, blah. And then you can do this one and things like that. And that's what I'd like to see. If they can pull that off with this, then yeah, I'm all in. I'd love to see that kind of thing. But complete open like Oblivion? No, no, not right now. I don't have the attention span right now to yeah. do that. <laughs> Did you watch any of the, uh, the developer diaries? Yeah. Did you see the one on the, uh, on the factions that are in the game? No, actually, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, they're talking about how all the various cities and and settlements you come across, pretty much everyone is going to have two factions vying for control over it and how you can choose to support one or the other. And it's going to affect a lot of how the game plays out. But one thing I thought was hilarious is, you know, they said, oh, you can choose this side. You can choose that side. You can be in order for good. You can be in order for, you know, chaos. And just the way they worded it is, fuck it all is going to be an option. <laughs> just, just let it happen. Like, in so many games, they, they, they force you to take one side or the other. So it, Fallout has always had that neutral option of, hey, that's your problem. I don't want to get involved with it. And, and um, 
what about they would talk about the voice actors? I thought it was cool that Wayne Newton is the DJ in this yeah. game. <laughs> Who better to, to be fits. a DJ in Vegas? Yeah. But man, when did Ron Perlman get so freaking old? <laughs> All at once. Man. Um, <laughs> kind of like Gary Busey. But uh, yeah, no, if it, and it wouldn't take a lot either. I mean, again, I love Bethesda games. I really do. I don't think it would take a lot for them to just kind of rail them a little bit in just to give you a Tighten little bit more guidance. And I think that would go a long way towards creating a, a gaming a gaming gaming sessions that are a lot tighter that are that flow better and is not just you bounce in and it's like okay what was i doing now and then get lost and start something completely different kind of thing mm-hmm. so a, a nice cohesive experience which is what you want out of a game you, you don't want to look back on say oblivion and you're like oh yeah the main quest was this and then the dark brotherhood was this and then this was that you, you would prefer if it if it all seemed like one seamless experience yeah and again it's not that i have anything against it but it's it's, it's with Fallout, I've, as much as I loved it, I did find myself, you know, you wander off. You're going towards an objective, a quest or whatever, <laughs> but you get lost. And then you kind of enjoy being lost. What kind of trouble can I get myself into today? Because for the most part, I got to tell you, I can get myself in a lot of trouble and go off. And then you're so far gone from what it is that you had to do or wanted to do. And you wind up feeling afterwards that your gaming session didn't have a purpose kind of thing. And you didn't really get ahead in the game other than just to explore a couple of new zones and kill some bad guys. Four hours have gone by and you're like, well, what the fuck did I do? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I got a couple of pop caps. Um, okay, so let's move on to another game that's going to be coming out that they're talking a lot more about. And that is Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Now, if you are a PlayStation Plus uh, subscriber, you could have downloaded the, you still can, the multiplayer for this on the PlayStation. And I downloaded Sucker's damn near three gigabytes. It's freaking awesome. It is it is a lot <laughs> of fun, all right? The, um, the graphics are, of course, unbelievable. There's three settings that you can play in. There is... Um, the problem is the the only problem that I've found is that if you are oh there go the dog tags Shh, be quiet um, oh is Joe here yeah <laughs> let's blame it on him um, yeah. the only problem that I've found is that because there's not as many people that are in right now depending on the time of the day that you try to get in that you may not you may have to wait a little while however once you're in then if the same group of guys stay after each game is done and then just roll into a new game, then it's, it's, it's seamless and very fast. But basically, you bounce in and it's a wanted, they call it, and you can be one of nine classes and all the classes are the same in terms of their abilities. It's just the way that they look. Like there's a priest, there's a, uh, there's a, a couple of other little ones too. Um, and then what happens is that there's there's three different places right now that you can go to. Uh, there's Siena, Rome, and Castel, Castel del Fongo, del Fuego, del Gan, Gandolfo. That's what it is, Gandolfo. And uh, they all have very different looks. The, the, the Rome one is um, very bright exterior. The Castel Gandolfo has got a lot of interiors. The, there's amazing lighting in it and then the Siena one is the one that's 
outdoors and it's kind of like a, a theater setting um, where you would see live theater and there's tents, horses and, and things like that. The colors are absolutely astounding. I mean, seriously, you, you have to pry your eyes away from the way it looks just so that you don't get backstabbed by some bastard. <laughs> but the thing that I liked about this is that it's not your typical first person shooter that you bounce into and it's just about going and kill whatever. It's not like a Team Fortress 2 that's super hyper and you bounce in and you 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 die and you bounce that back in and, and and things like that. It's it's a very subtle multiplayer. You kind of go in and you actually you can run, but for the most part you walk and then you try to blend into the crowd as well because as much as you are going to try to get somebody that's wanted on your You've got a little radar, so you're going after somebody. Somebody else is going to be coming after you as well. So what happens is that there's nine classes, but there's also NPCs in the crowd, and they're all based on the same nine classes in terms of their look. So you're going to see other, say, priests or whatever. So if you're gunning for a priest that you have to kill there's going to be other priests around. Now, you have a radar that dictates where you go and how close you are to them. But if there's other priests nearby, you may kill the wrong one, at which point then you lose points. And it's all points-based as to who wins. And if you can do a completely silent kill where they didn't even see you coming, then you get the most amount of points. To do that, though, then you're not running towards someone just to kill them. You're being very subtle and you're walking along the same as everybody else, trying to get closer to the person you have to kill. And then at the last moment, taking them down. And those takedowns are spectacular. But the thing that I love about this is that it becomes a game about subtle nuances. You're not again, it's not about the hyperness of a Team Fortress 2, but it still got you on the edge of your seat and you're looking at all the NPCs and everybody walking towards you because you know somebody's after you, at least one if not two people after you, and you're looking for little hints. You know, somebody turned a little too sharp there. An NPC wouldn't have done that. Oh crap, they're after me. And it could be any number of things like that. And sometimes it's too late. By the time you notice, it's like, boom, they're on top of you and you're dead. And you can't fight back. You can run away, but you can't fight them back. So that's why you really want to keep your eye open for anybody that doesn't fit into the crowd. It was a really, really fun multiplayer. It's... It's almost fun enough to make me want to buy the game to play it. And um, actually, my son played it as well, my youngest, and he just had a blast. He loved it. Sounds cool. Yeah, we've heard more in terms of the story as well, because the the multiplayer has been getting a lot of press right now. But they did talk about the actual single player campaigns wherein you are taking over and leading the assassins and the actual single single player campaign does look like it's going to be a lot of fun i've actually been reading from certain people who've been saying that they actually are now playing through one and two just so that they're prepared for this because they are that excited about the title so it's it's i've actually got one i don't have two um but get it yeah, see, that's the thing. Having played through this, I actually, I probably won't pick this up day one when it comes out, but I probably will pick it up. So I'm going to put some time aside to play through one and two so that when I do pick this up, finally, I'll be prepared for it. But even just I, like, I mean, yeah, the, the multiplayer or sorry, the single player does look like a lot of fun, but 
god damn that multiplayer was a ton of fun and again you can literally sink hours without realizing it unlike first person shooters that you know you can put in a lot of hours but i mean if i've been playing team fortress 2 for a couple of hours i i know it and it's like okay it's time to stop now but this we sat down and one of the sessions my son was playing and i was just beside him and i was watching him and i was taking notes too because i'm going to be putting a review up on the site and i mean christ we had that thing on for over two hours and you did not notice a time pass by just because it's a slower pace but it still has you on the edge of your seat it's very very well done yeah that's the thing i love about assassin's creed it's just it's just so different from anything else out there like there there's kind of comparisons to prince of persia i mean you see some of the same elements there but honestly it's you can't even do that and even with the huge success of the first two and now the third coming out we still haven't seen anything like it it's like nobody can replicate this amazing formula they have of stealth and combat and the setting and the story is so amazing. Like, you know, we're, I, I was kind of excited, excited to see, you know, what Ezio is doing next. Like, at first, I thought, why are they coming up with a, a sequel to two instead of a third game? Because, you know, kind of how two wasn't really a, that much of a sequel to the first one, at least in far as the uh, the assassin characters are concerned. But, you know, then after playing through Assassin's Creed 2, because I hadn't uh, one at the time, I'm like, wow, Ezio is such a great character. There's so much story here to tell. I completely forgot about Desmond and Lucy and all the people, you know, in the in the near future side of the storyline. And the way they, they split up the storylines, a lot of people hated it, but I thought it was such a cool concept because it can take the series literally anywhere. And I, again, I had forgotten about that whole aspect of the story until, you know, we were talking about this and you sent me to the, the, the Q and a, and I was like, Oh yeah, fucking Desmond. You know, they're still looking. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and I, now I really want to know what's going on with him. And you have these two sides of the story that are both engaging and interesting. Yeah, no, again, it is why I want to pick up two, but I do want to finish all of one first and then pick up two. And then I, it is a game that I definitely will pick up. I may very well pick it up sooner just to play the multiplayer and then worry about the single player once I'm done one or two because it <laughs> was that much fun. So with that, we're actually going to wrap up this episode. I'll have this one out for you guys tomorrow to download. And uh, we will, we should have Joe back next week. Although I know that he's going to be quite busy, but he is going to be doing some reporting from BlizzCon for us. We're going to be making sure to get some audio clips from him as well as some interviews that we're going to be putting on the site. The BlizzCon is coming up, of course, this week, and we will try to keep you guys all covered. So with that, we're going to let you go and we'll talk to you guys next week. Everybody enjoying Vince's clock? <laughs> we also had a special appearance of, by Vince's mouse and Vince's keyboard. <laughs> bring out all the electronics. Oh no, I left that one under the bed. Oh, right. As long as you don't shake the bed too much and accidentally turn it on. <laughs> okay, Joe. Right, at least I gave you guys notice. <laughs> Did you hear that, Joe? Did you? Huh? 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 At least I know Tart must have. She'll let you know. Tart, don't bother me. What, did I do? what, what happened? Nothing. Hey, I know what I'm doing. Are you playing World of Warcraft on this thing? What the hell, man? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to For the Lord of This. Oh, dude. Oh. <laughs>
That's the last time I hosted. <laughs> All right. Wow. That feels weird. At least I didn't say wow dogs. You know what? I've come like this wow. close to saying wow dogs a couple of times early on. That's hilarious. Um, oh, jeez. I can't. It's not letting me see it. Okay. I'm going to. Well, we're. <laughs> You talk, I'm going to go to lionhead.com and I'll pick it up there for folks to, to look at. Look at this. This is this the, the freaking video from their own site isn't working. What the hell? Lionhead, get your act together. Um, so I guess you guys... I realized it was for the wrong game and they pulled it down. No, really. This is actually the YouTube <laughs> channel for Lionhead. That's where they're pulling it from for their site. And it's actually not joined. Awesome. It's a trailer for some other game, and they accidentally put the Fable 3 logo yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah. I have faith in Feeder. Don't try to talk. Eh. There, was, there was no talking. Eh. No talking in the exit. Don't make I me I was just going to say, don't forget about his friggin' poem. I I don't know if he'll have time. That's why I left ah, it out. Okay. Joe was okay. going to write a poem because he's so sad to see the sentry totem disappear from his show. And I, and I put it in the show notes as Joe's poem about a fucking sentry totem. So, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to put it in there or not. I'll ask him. And then some of them are a little bit more challenging and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how the hell? And when you finally get it, it's like, yay! He got his candy. Yay! <laughs> But it's true. So basically, the game was made for Tart. <laughs> she would have a blast with this. <laughs> Get him his candy. Unless you do me at the beginning. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, do me at the beginning and then yours at the end. Dude, I've been reading so much freaking Wolverine. I'm, I'm, my beard is growing thicker. I've been reading so much. It's like, <laughs> my God. You're getting in touch with your manly Canadianness. Yeah. And talking back. My daddy was a green eye. 